welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to the Excel Still More program. I am very excited to share this idea with you today. In fact, to be honest, it's just kind of taken over my life this week. In fact, it will be a sermon at the Lindale Church of Christ on October the 6th in the morning. Now, I realize that this episode I'm recording right now will release after that, so that sermon is already up on the website and archived. So if you find today's information helpful, if you think it could help someone you know unify their life, find the peace again that comes when behavior and beliefs align, but you'd also like more exploration into the scriptures that are referenced today, then I commend you to that sermon. You can go to the lindellchurchofchrist.com website, the Facebook page by the same name, or in fact, there is a podcast, the Lindell Church of Christ podcast that has all of the sermons. Okay, so here's how it all began for me a couple of days ago. In the morning, just sitting in the living room with my wife, Summer, and my 18-year-old daughter, Hannah. And we were talking about family. There are family members that we love who are presently doing things that are utterly inconsistent with their beliefs. At least inconsistent with the way they were raised. Inconsistent with what they profess about the Lord. On the weekends, they are doing things that are simply indefensible, and yet it's become a habit for them, maybe even an addiction. And we were talking about how that must feel. It must feel terrible to live with that kind of conflict inside, knowing that my life has two parts. There are my beliefs in Jesus and the Bible and the will of God, And there is my behavior, which very often is different than that, and habitually so. I would imagine there's much stress, shame, embarrassment, discouragement, and fear. And without getting into details about that, I believe some of our family have been showing those emotions, the conflict within them. And there always will be conflict when a person is living with a divided mind, with a split life. Now, Hannah said in that discussion that in her college class on psychology, they had recently studied a topic called cognitive dissonance. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I think I'd heard of it. I was really proud of her that she listened in class and was able to teach us something. It was kind of cool. But basically, cognitive dissonance describes stress, anxiety, and uneasiness that a person lives with when there is a difference between their behavior and their beliefs, when they're living an ununified life, a divided life, constantly fighting against themselves because they're trying to live with two conflicting ideas. In the case of what we were discussing, Here are people who know that Jesus is coming in judgment. They know what he has taught about godly living. They know the truth, and yet they're not living that way. 
And so there's always going to be a pull and a push and a tension in their lives, and that gets represented in stress, anxiety, and other things. Now, the more we talked about that Tuesday morning, the more I started thinking about my life. And ultimately today, this episode is about you. Have you ever felt those things? Trying to live your life like two people? And you wonder, where is the peace that Christ provides? Well, in truth, there just can't be any. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. Do you remember that? Where he talked about how his spirit is tied up in the will of God and he wants to do the will of God, but in his flesh there is this temptation and drive. And many times he does the things that he does not want to do And he does not do the things that he does want to do. And in the text, it said, wretched man that I am. And that's what it is. It's a wretched feeling. And I don't want to live like that. Now, the great news is Jesus. And that's the point that he made in Romans 7. He goes on in verse 25 and into the next chapter to talk about how thankful we are for Jesus Christ. Jesus can fix it. Jesus can repair us unify our minds. He can forgive us all of those hypocritical behaviors of the past, all of those addictive endeavors that captured us for years. He can free us from the condemnation of that. He can mend us. I believe that entirely. But he goes on to explain in Romans 8 that while Jesus has the power to forgive and to give strength, we got to make the choices. It seems that Paul grew in his relationship with the Lord And he began to understand that while there would be that battle for division every day, he had the power in the name of Jesus to make better choices, to choose the spirit over the flesh. And you talk about an opposite feeling. When I have options in my life to choose to be consistent with my beliefs or to depart from them, and I choose Jesus, I choose to deny the flesh and align myself with his will, That feels amazing. There's a peace that comes from that. To be honest with you, sometimes I just want to lift my hands in the air and say, thank you, Jesus, for the peace that you've brought in my life when I'm unified in mind and faith, when our bodies and our minds are working together in the name of the Lord. It just feels incredible. Now, there are some people, maybe some listening, who aren't very familiar with that feeling. James talks about this, and we'll explore it in a lot more depth in the sermon on October 6th. But James uses the term divided mind twice in his letter. In James 1, he says, look, temptations are coming. And even with all of your beliefs and convictions, you're going to feel like you're not wise enough to handle them. And you probably aren't, not without the power of God. So you need to go to God in prayer. Ask for his wisdom and his help. Ask for your beliefs to take over your heart so that you do not depart into divisive behavior. But he said, you better not be double-minded. If I allow myself to live with divided interests, God, I want to follow you, but I just as much want this other thing. Lord, help me win the coin flip today. He's saying, you're not going to get my help. You have to make a determination not to live with a divided mind. You have to come to me in prayer and say, that's not who I want to be anymore. I'm finished living in decisions that defy my faith. 
Now, really quickly, you know that I'm not talking about sinlessness. Sin happens. We fall short of the glory of God. But there is a big difference between the occasional misstep and mistake, which is in no way indicative of the kind of life you're living, and you repent and turn from it and your peace holds. There's a big difference between that and what we're talking about today. Addiction, habitual behavior, And you'll know the difference. You say, Chris, how will I know the difference? Stress and anxiety, discomfort and discouragement internally will tell you when there's a real issue here. Now, later on in James 4, he uses the term double-minded again. He accuses the people of being such, but he said, listen, if you will come to God in incredible humility, admitting that there's been a divide in you and you don't want it anymore, He said, you may even come mourning and weeping, shedding tears of admission. God can do incredible things to lift you up, to make you strong. And the feeling of assurance and righteous living and the grace of God in your life through unifying your life, behavior and beliefs, mind and body. Well, let me just say this. Every day you can rejoice in the Lord with all of you. Every part of who you are can rejoice in the blessings of God. One more verse, and then we need to get into some how-to elements of this episode. In Philippians chapter 4, where it talks about that rejoicing, you know that it says to be anxious for nothing. Don't let anything divide your mind or weigh you down. There are outside elements that are difficult to control, But I'm going to tell you this, I will not let what's going on inside of me, in my own choices, be cause for anxiety anymore. It talks about by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, going to God, and as a result of giving all of yourself over to the will of God, all of yourself, there is a peace that Jesus provides that goes beyond comprehension, certainly beyond anything the world can comprehend. I want you to feel that to live that. And we're going to talk about how. So let me break it down this way. Whenever behavior is inconsistent with core beliefs, it occurs in one of two ways. The first of which is what we would commonly call the sins of commission, which means I'm out there doing something that I know God does not want me to do. And I keep doing it, and I feel all of those things that we've already talked about. This often is what we mean when we talk about addiction. People who are addicted to alcohol consumption, or addicted to pornography, or profanity, or outbursts of anger. Usually, if those people profess the name of Jesus, they know that those are indefensible positions. People who are drinking compromising beverage know all of the verses on sobriety. People who view pornography, and there is an enormous number of men and women captured by that. They know the Bible says not to lust. They know that those who do so would be forsaking their position in heaven. Those who are addicted to profanity and outbursts of anger, they know Ephesians 4.29 about speech. These are people who believe the right things, and they know that Jesus doesn't want them doing any of that. And then they go out, and time and time again it happens. There can be no peace in a divided life. So what can people who feel that do about it? 
Well, let me give you two things to think about. Number one, if you are committing acts you know you need to stop and haven't been able to do so, number one, stop making it so easy. A huge mistake people make is they keep sin accessible. They keep it close and wait for the power of God for their beliefs to bulk up and grab that behavior and straighten it up. It doesn't work that way. Here's somebody addicted to alcohol, has alcohol in their home, hangs out on the weekends with people who drink. They'll be battling this the rest of their life. Here's a guy struggling with pornography, but the phone that sits beside his bed can access it in two seconds. He will probably never win that battle. Someone dealing with anger and profanity in a house that accepts it and spending time around people socially where it's common language. In all of those cases, it just keeps going on and on, and he prays for forgiveness, only to know, even as he's ending that prayer, that within 24 hours it will happen again. How about we stop making it so easy? In fact, let me give you the second point and tie it together. Let's just make it downright impossible. Let's create such a gap between me and this bad behavior that I can't even get to it. What if you're struggling with alcohol, but you have no alcohol in your home, and you don't spend time with people who drink alcohol or go to places that serve alcohol? Now, if you have a craving for something that's wrong, you can't even get to it, at least not easily. And by delaying that access, you give your beliefs a chance to get back a hold of you again. Pornography. In our house, there are passcodes on every device. I could not access an illicit website at work or at home if you paid me $1,000 to do it. My wife has the passcode for my phone. I have made it impossible to fall into anything like that without going so far out of my way. Well, my beliefs are strong enough to keep me from doing something of that kind of an investment into evil. Bad language and outbursts. What if you made a rule in your home that the first person to yell or the first person to say an inappropriate word would not be responded to? The rule in the house is conversation shuts down at that moment. Make it impossible to have yelling matches in your home. Make it impossible for profanity to be accepted. What would that do? It would separate you from the bad behavior in a way that would allow your beliefs, your prayer life, and the greatness of Jesus to hold on to your life. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.13 is quoted all the time. 1 Corinthians 10.13 talks about how no temptation has overcome you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will always provide the way of escape. Listen carefully. That context was about fleeing idolatry. Here's what God is saying. If you will run from idolatry, I will make sure it cannot catch you. But if you decide to sit in it, to surround yourself with it, to make provisions for it, I can't help you there. Flee this faith in consistency. Stop making it so easy to get and do what you can to make it impossible. Okay, here's the other side of that. Let me talk about this briefly. Sometimes when my behavior does not align with my beliefs, when I'm divided internally, it's what we call the sin of omission. In other words, I'm not doing the things that my belief system says I should be doing. For some people, this is something like being evangelistic and inviting people to church and speaking up for Jesus. I'm supposed to be doing that, but I'm not. And that doesn't feel very good. Attending worship faithfully. I know what the Bible teaches about that. 
I've heard a Hebrews 10 sermon every three months for my entire life, but I face this conflict of inconsistency. Maybe it's reading your Bible every day. I know I'm supposed to do that. The preacher talks about it all the time. I'm not doing it. It's going to be hard to live at peace when you know you should be doing something, but you don't. Well, let's give the same kind of advice, just with a little modification. Why don't you stop making it hard? Hey, you read your Bible today? No. Where is it? I guess I don't know. It may be at the building or in the car. I'm not sure. You got no chance of reading your Bible if you don't know where the thing is. We plan things on Sunday evenings or put off yard work, and then we wonder why we had trouble getting to church. Stop making it so hard to do the right thing. We want to be more evangelistic, but we don't carry any cards with us. We never partner up with anyone. We just wait for it all to work out, and it will never unify in us. Let's not make it hard. Instead, last point, let's make it not only easy, but let's make good behavior automatic. Make it so obvious that it naturally happens. When my daughter walks down the stairs in the morning, she's got her Bible and her journal under her arm before she even gets her first cup of coffee. It's automatic for her to sit down and open it and begin to read. Evangelism. Put five cards from your church in your wallet or purse right next to your money. So every time you're pulling money out to pay for something, you'll grab a card. Make it easy. Make it automatic to hand that card to someone along with the money. If it's more consistent worship, agree to teach a class or to take someone out after services. Make it obvious and automatic to do the right thing. Listen, these approaches work. God's power will work with you on these things. And the peace that comes from consistent living from a unified life, body and mind in Christ, it's the best. So go out there today and call on the name of the Lord and make a commitment and do whatever it takes to enjoy the peace that comes from unifying your life. Thank you so much for listening today. We encourage you to check out the website, excelstillmore.life, where you can subscribe to emails, order the three-month journal, or check out past episodes. As always, please consider sharing this with people in your life who you think we can help. And whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.